0: We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club,
1: and enjoy the show.
0: Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula and hello everybody
1: and welcome to another episode of pretty mental
0: this week we had the amazing opportunity to sit down and speak with our friend alexander james
1: the amazing spirit i love him
0: he's incredible so he is self-described as a quantum healing coach and you can 100% feel that when you're talking to him. He has, he breaks through so many mental blockages and barriers and introduces new ways of looking at things that are just so refreshing and that feels so right. And he literally just exudes joy wherever he goes. In this episode, we talked about
1: the energetics of money. We talked about worthiness and the evolution of identity. There's so much nectar in this one. I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. There is so much gold in this episode for you guys. And with that pretty mental family, take in a deep breath with us. And tune in. Before we start, we want to introduce you guys to our beautiful new sponsor, Resonate with Sarah. They are a digital marketing agency that works with conscious thought leaders who are here to elevate the world. And we are all about that from creating and managing your Facebook and Instagram ads to web design, email copywriting, social media creation, the list goes on. They are here to help you reach resonate and consciously convert an audience who would love to pay you if only they knew you. If you have a message or a brand that is here to create real waves in the elevation of our community, you guys should absolutely check them out. We're going to put a link in our show notes so you can find out more and schedule a call with the team to see how you Can start showcasing your messages and your brand to an audience who is hungry to hear what you have to say and with that let's dive into this week's amazing episode love you guys it is february 22nd 2021 we call upon our highest selves upon our spirit guides our angels and our ancestors we call upon the spirit guides, the angels, ancestors, and higher selves of everyone in our community and everyone that they come in contact with. We open ourselves in this space for all of the messages that want to come through. We open ourselves for playful, creative, open, loving energy. We align ourselves with joy and ultimately with love. The portal is open.
0: Alexander, Alexander
1: James! James. <laughs>
0: Dude, from the moment that i saw you or connected with your energy on that psychedelic today training that we have both signed up for i was like i don't know how i don't know about what but i know that he has to come on the pretty mental podcast
2: i love it no same i feel like i reached out to you that very first day and i was like yo what's up with you like what's good he you got, did. You got, you got something special going on. And it's very funny because one of my very closest best friends, her name is also Paula, and you look exactly like her. I thought it was her when I got on, and then I saw the name and I was like, wait, what? Paula signed up for this too? And then I like, but yeah, so it's just wild.
0: No way. I'm gonna have to to meet her.
2: Yeah, she's so cool. You love each other.
0: So I love the fact that, you know, we met in a course that is at the cutting edge of what's going on in the mental health field. It's just, it seems perfect. But, you know, before we dive into all the everything, let's get the community a little introduction into who Alexander James is and the journey that took you from, I think you described yourself that you started as a rural farm boy Mm
1: -hmm. to
0: this quantum healing coach that we have here today.
2: Totally. Yes. Let's get some ground beneath our feet before we go exploring into the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> so, my name is Alexander James. I am a life coach is what I market myself as. What I really am is somewhat beyond my comprehension at this moment. To get a little bit of background about me is that I grew up in Dayton, Ohio and got out as soon as I could when I was 16, I moved to Africa and roamed around for a while, and then I was in California and Spain and Argentina, and I've just been kind of so curious about this world and this life. I ended up landing a job in fashion pretty early on, and so I was in New York City for 10 years working backstage. I get to do the whole fancy glamorous thing with, like, Gigi on my left and Kendall on my right, and, like, my big claim to fame was that Kim Kardashian's bodyguard pushed me once. That was cool. And... All of those experiences kind of led me into this deeper pathway of wanting to deepen myself because being in fashion, you see a lot of people who have it all, right? Or people who we would assume to have it all. And for me, it was always like the makeup artists at the top because that's that was my art form of choice in that moment was being a makeup artist. And so in a couple of years, I was working underneath the premier makeup artist of our time, Pat McGrath, for those of you who are into that world. And um, she was so unhappy. She's like working, you know, 364 days a year, had no animals, she had no like real home because she was just always traveling. She uh, she was such a a hard worker, but I could see that she had no life and I could see that she wasn't happy. And so I started questioning in that moment of my life, Well, what's the point of success? you have to sacrifice your happiness for it and you see a lot of people in the fashion industry who are very jaded because they have spent a decade or two decades of their lives like sacrificing everything to get to the top only to realize that like the top isn't where happiness is so once I had that realization I was like oh fuck this like I'm I'm tapping out and I bounced and I um I just grabbed a Jansport backpack and went to India and started rolling around again, how I do. And it was then that I found life coaching, which I studied for three years. And I thought, okay, this is interesting. And then recently by accident, I sort of stumbled into a methodology of mixing sort of the sort of timeless wisdom. People think that life coaching is a very new thing. Really, it's like Jesus was a life coach. Like, come on. (laughs) Like, (laughs) they've been around for ages, but uh, it's just this sort of, I think, more secularized, non-religious way of transferring sort of the spiritual wisdom and spiritual personal growth development that feels maybe a little bit more appropriate for our times. Because so many people have so much religious trauma that they're like not even interested in engaging with those modes of transmission anymore so then kind of by accident i um hmm, trying to figure out how to talk about this i accidentally stumbled into mixing uh certain potent psychedelics with the life coaching that i was doing and it ended up creating just insane results from one session both in my life and in the life of the person that it happened with. And listen, it wasn't, I wasn't planning it, but I'm just like a life coach. So I'll just start talking and I'll just coach you whether you want it or not. (laughs) And so we were both in this state in this like expand state. And I started, you know, talking and speaking about money and it felt like stuff was coming through me as well, very clearly. Um, But it's almost like it sank in more deeply into my consciousness in such a powerful way. I was doing a lot of coaching around money and the spiritual technology of money and how to use money in a spiritual way. And I've been struggling a lot in my business. And I had, you know, just kind of made my first $20,000 of my business. And I went on later that month to make $100,000 in my business, which is like a quantum leap, and nobody was expecting. So then I was like, whoa, like, I've tapped into something very intense and very powerful. And so the way that I look at what I do now is through the lens of just understanding the subconscious mind and how So much of what's going on in our conscious mind is completely dictated by the subconscious and finding modalities to really calm the subconscious so that we can get in there at work because so much of the subconscious is built to protect the conscious personality or so much of the conscious mind, sorry, is built to protect the subconscious wounds. And so what I found is blending these two technologies together allows us to do the work much deeper and much faster with much less resistance, which is what's been interesting.
0: So the the technologies that you're specifically putting together, you're bringing the psychedelics into the... Well, I guess I'll let you say it if you can kind of explain a little further on what the technologies are.
2: Totally. So the first is ontological coaching, which is... Ontology is a big word for simple concepts. It's the study of one's being and so the fundamental question it comes from a lineage of Greek philosophy, and the fundamental question in this lineage of philosophical, no, philosophy, is um, who are you being? Right? I don't care if you want to lose weight. Who are you being about it? Are you beating yourself up? Are you shaming yourself? Are you hating yourself, or are you approaching, you know, losing weight from a place of creating more possibilities from yourself and of like deep self-love and like self-compassion and self-companionship? So I very rarely, when I'm doing my ontological coaching work, I very rarely am like, do this, do that, do this, don't do that. I'm more showing people their relationship and who they're being about what they're doing so that they can heal that. Because that really, it's like, yeah, I can help you lose weight. And so what? It's like, we can hate yourself better, faster, more effectively, right? It's like, what's the point? what's the point? And so a lot of the work that I'm doing is actually in the subconscious mind with the ontological work that I'm doing. And then what I found is that when people are in expanded states of consciousness, it's the, the metaphor that I use is like that the subconscious mind is sort of like this barking Doberman and it's only, or the conscious mind is like a barking Doberman and it's only purpose is to protect the subconscious wounds. And so when we're trying, Paula, you probably have some insight with this too. It's like when you start trying to work on those deeper level woundings, a lot of times you'll come up against a lot of triggers, you'll come up against a lot of resistance, you'll come up against all of that sort of personality protection or ego protection that that person has built around that wound to protect them from it. And so what I find is that when people are in expanded states of consciousness, it's almost like that Doberman just kind of like goes to sleep for a little bit. It's like it just gets it gives it a little bit of a tranquilizer, so you can like get close to it and pet it and feed it, right? Because you know, and we see this with dogs too. It's like even when you go to help an abused dog, it'll try to attack you because that's what it's been trained to do, and that's what its whole nervous system has been adapted to to activate in that way. And so, what I find is that ex- these expanded states of consciousness allow us to just kind of step out of that programmed response long enough for someone to really get in and do some deeper level work in a way that is quite profound.
0: Yeah, the the only, you know, I'm a licensed therapist, so I have to follow some regulations in regards to all that. and got to right. play this, the systematic game a little bit. But so the, the way, the only way that I've been able to, or one of the main ways I've been able to access that is through hypnotherapy.
2: Totally. Well, and so that's, what's interesting. So I created something called the quantum healing collective, which you were asking me about before we got on. And so my, what I started seeing after my experience, I started having this realization of like, I am not a one size fits all healer. Like there's some things that I kick ass at, and then I can just like move people through really fast stuff that they've been trying to get through for years. Like there's just Something about my methodology and the way that I practice and my being that like helps people shift that. And then there's other things that aren't. And so it started with my sister, uh, who's an inner child healer. She does a lot of like deep subconscious, like memory rewiring and theta healings and stuff like that for people in their childhood. And like I have very little, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'd never like kids. I don't want kids. So when childhood stuff starts coming up in the sessions, I am usually like, you know, I can do it, but it's not like, you know, I'm not enjoying it and I'm not brilliant at it. And so how it started was I started sending people to her for just a session when things would start coming up and they would come back to me like mind blown, life changed. They'd be like sobbing for hours after their inner child healing ceremony with her because she has such a talent for healing those wounds in the subconscious. And she knows right how to get into that, like part of the nervous system and do stuff there. And so that's when I realized like, oh actually like healing isn't sort of just like one modality fits all and we all need multiple kinds of healing in our journey and so that's why i created the quantum healer collective so we do have a hypnotherapist we've got people who do shamanic breath work i do a lot of the ontological stuff we've got an inner child healer we have somebody who teaches um the universal language of manifestation and actualization and a couple other people uh who all have varying subconscious modalities and what what i've done in that is giving people access to those different experiences in the subconscious and seeing what works for them and you know it's not always a home run every single time but people find in that process it's like a buffet if you taste enough you're going to find the right thing for you and you'll find your pathway to healing
0: I love that approach and just recognizing having the self awareness as a coach or a healer of where your strengths are and where the limitations are, um, rather than just trying to do it all. There's kind of it reminds me of that saying of uh, if we want to go fast, we go alone, but if we want to go far, we go together. Whoa, yeah,
2: that's nuts. Well yeah. And so much of it, I think, was inspired by this idea of a mycelial network. And like, how can we create mycelial networks within the healing community? Because, you know, I kept on just hearing, like, we all ascend as one. We all ascend as one. So it's like so much of what I feel like I'm here to do and what I do in my business is I help people brand themselves like healers and therapists and coaches, anybody who's kind of trying to evolve consciousness on this planet. I'm like, let's get you a billion dollar brand and like make your name like plastered everywhere the way that Coke is. you know, if Coke can sell, like cancerous brown poison water and make $38 billion a year, there's it's ludicrous that we as healers can't like that idea is just mind boggling that we have any self-limiting beliefs about how much money is possible when we're healing ancestral trauma and we're improving the quality of people's lives. It's like, I just want every healer to have the largest platform possible. And so through building these brands with people and through creating this quantum healing collective where I can, kind of nurture and mentor the people in theirs brands as well, so that they start to have more of a global reach. Uh, I think we expand the mycelial network. And, you know, I believe that we're all healers. Uh, it's just that we're all at a different place in our own healing before our healing abilities get activated. And so the question for me that I find so interesting lately is, like, so many people think that healing is the destination. And there's a lot of people who don't necessarily think that being completely healed is possible. And part of what I want to do with my lifetime is start to dispel that in a way and find pathways to deep, meaningful healing, but then also to see it as the first step. So often in the community, we see like healing as the end point. And I'm very curious about what will happen with human consciousness, what we're going to create when we're all healed, right? When everyone on the planet is healed, then what do we want to do what's our perspective going to be what are, well, how much freedom and liberty are we going to have to it's like it's outside of the realm of i think what our conscious minds can conceive of right now is even like thinking about the world in that state you know it's like world peace is just the first step
1: <laughs>
2: like it's just the first step the same way that like ending abuse in a family is just the first step
1: right and it's like what is healing isn't it just coming back home to who you already are it's not – I feel like when we talk about healing, it's like this this thing that I'm going to achieve one day and it's like that, that north star. And it, it kind of is, but isn't it just aligning back to who you literally already are?
2: Mm. Oh, my God. I love that you just said that because so much of my work focuses on identity reintegration and
0: mm. – so, the word integration was just like in my, I'm like integra- integration, integration, <laughs> integration, <laughs>
2: integration. Yeah. Let's talk about integrating. So well, the way I see it, my framework for explaining my work is that through our lives, we experience trauma, big T, little t. And some of us who are really sensitive, it's like, it can be as simple as like a disapproving look. And we're like, oh, okay, I'll never sing again. Right. Like when we're three or four or five and What happens is that I believe that pieces of our soul no longer feel safe in our body. And so they split and they kind of leave our sphere or they hide somewhere deep in our subconscious so that we can't find them because they don't want us to be abandoned. And they can see that we will be if we are a fully integrated being, right? If we're not born into a fully integrated system, then there's not space for us to be fully integrated beings. And so buried deep within our subconscious are all those little pieces of ourselves that we don't even realize it's happened, right? But that have fractured themselves off until we've kind of shaved ourselves down to this nice, palatable, you know, easy to be around person uh, that may have nothing to do with who we truly are in our soul. So the work that I focus on in branding and what I teach about branding is it's about identity reintegration. It's how can you find a brand that lets you expand, How can you be more of who you are? How can you bring all of you to the table? It's not about finding some little like kooky, like, oh, he's the guy who who wears weird clothes, right? It's like, how can I be the things that seem paradoxical? How can I be silly and powerful? How can I be spiritual and sexual? How can I be brilliant and ridiculous? All of me and creating spaces where all of me is allowed. And so since, you know, it's my business, my world, my rules... It's like, that's going to be my business. I'm going to create that space for myself in my business. That's why I believe I created this business was to heal myself. And so that's my practice place is in my branding and showing up and being visible as all of myself.
1: Can we talk about money? I really want to talk about money. And I know everyone wants to talk about this because it's something that is such a, we need it. And it causes so much excitement and so much love and then also so much chaos. And I know me personally, when I'm having financial issues, I go into massive survival mode. So that's something that, and I know I'm not alone in that. How, it's such a powerful entity. How have you been able to, like, what are your secrets with that? What are, are there patterns that you can share with us? What are?
2: Totally, totally. Money is so fascinatingly fraught with many moral considerations uh, and there's so much that gets implanted in us around money by the spiritual community, by the non-spiritual community. Like we're getting all these mixed messages about money all the time. And so the way that I look at money is that money is a spiritual technology and it's just energy, right? It's just pure energy that we either give ourselves access to or don't give ourselves access to. And so much of that depends on our ability to receive. And when I talk about ability to receive, what I'm looking at is in our nervous systems, or the primary purpose of our nervous system is to receive, right? I'm receiving signals from my eyes, I'm receiving sensations, I'm receiving, I'm feeling emotions, right? It's or one big receptive organism. And what happens is when trauma gets experienced through our lifetime, as it does for all of us, we begin to, and I think this is especially true for women and for non-gender conforming folks is we begin to mesh and marry so often the, the trauma with the receiving. And so we shut off some of the receiving. We pull back from some of the receiving to pull back from the trauma because it becomes so ingrained. So so the way that I, you know, this is very sim- oversimplified, but trauma is anything that's too much, too soon or too fast for your nervous system. So it doesn't matter what it is. It could be good or it could be bad. But if it's too much, too soon, too fast, it it will traumatize you. And so you see this all the time with money, right? Somebody turns 18 and they get access to a trust fund. And then next thing you know, they're like, you know, doing coke for 20 days straight, like completely destroying themselves or people who win the lottery and suddenly get a huge windfall of money. And then they end up even more in debt than when they started, right? That's trauma. That's the trauma of receiving too much, too soon, too fast. And it can be something positive or it can be something negative. So the place that I like to have people start when we start working around with money, especially with women, but really everyone is around consent because in small ways and large ways, we are taught to subconsciously bury our consent and bury our pleasure in order to just get along and make it through the day. And so we lose access to our ability to consent to the things that we want to because we don't know where our consent truly lies. And so, without access to that, like consent is a building block of pleasure, right? The the difference between a traumatic experience or a non-traumatic experience is the consent involved in the experience. And when you don't know where your consent is, you are subconsciously re-traumatizing yourself consistently. And so, this is some of the background subconscious work that I do before we even like get into the money and let's make more money and let's da 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 because. Uh, For a lot of people I see, they'll make the money and then suddenly like I'll watch them go back into a trauma state because there's all of the stuff about being a woman and, um, you know, being too powerful or making more money than your husband or, you know, whatever it is where there's not, there wasn't that full consent because we didn't do the subconscious work. So that's sort of like block one that I start to look at when I'm looking at the way that money is working in someone's life because all money is is really support it's just support. But so many women are taught that their value lies in being the support and not the supported. And so having too much money or creating too much money can create this fundamental uh, identity crisis of like, oh, I've lost my value, which is kind of wild. It's kind of trippy. And it's something I see a lot that like a lot of the female clients I'm working with, I only work with a couple male clients um, and most of them are gay, but the female clients I work with, like I'll have conversations, you know, they'll admit that they'll hit the, the six figure mark in their business. And I'd be like, Oh, like, you're still cleaning your house. Like, why aren't you having somebody like help you with that? You also have kids, you're also doing all this stuff. And they're like, oh, I can't do that. I couldn't spend $50 a week to have somebody help me clean around the house. I'm like, why not? You're like slated to make $300,000 this year. Like, why wouldn't you give yourself that support? And there's this like clinging of identity around like, no, but I should, I should be the support and I'm not as valuable of a woman or there's just so much ingrained. And it's like women that you would never look at and think that they're like girl bosses and powerful and, you know, making shit happen. And then you like start to go behind the curtain a little bit and it's like, there's still all this stuff around like support. So that's another framework that I use is just looking at money as support. And when you start looking at people's fundamental relationship with support and what they think they need to do in order to be worthy of support they feel like they have to earn support, whether they feel like they're allowed to be the supported in different instances in their life. Um, And a lot of it also goes back to childhood and looking at at what was modeled for them there too. But those are some of the things I I get into around money. And then of course, there's a spiritual piece where I believe that the purpose of money is to build faith. And whenever we spend money in a way that's aligned with having faith in ourselves, our dreams and humanity, that it always creates more abundance. And I think that's kind of the, was the secret behind Jesus's miracle with the fish and loaves was like, he was moving from a state of faith. And what we see now is so many people are in such deep scarcity. You know, even Jeff Bezos, it's like, when you act in scarcity, it creates scarcity. There is not scarcity in the world, except for the scarcity that is created by people being in scarcity. And so we just, as people, we have to learn how to use money in a way that, allows faith to be a part of the equation. And I think that's how we begin to heal our relationship with money as well. And ultimately how we create more, more in the world for you and for me and for everyone is when we start using money in a way that's aligned with like a deeper faith in the universe and ourselves and the people around us, all of that.
0: That's so powerful. You know, recently I had, so we're we're immigrants. And so we started working really early on. I started feeling a ton of responsibility for myself and for making it and doing all that on my, that, that I had to do it on my own for myself. Right. In in many ways, I'm, my family was there for me, but in many ways, um, just financially, that aspect of it, I had to figure out. And then I would see people that, you know, got inheritances or getting, you know, money handouts or whatever the case, money was just coming more easily to them. And I'd be like, Oh, I want that. You know, like, why can't I get that? Why do I have to work so hard for everything? And then recently I had an opportunity where I'm going through this real estate process and suddenly I found like my dad and my uncle helping me get this property. And it was so interesting to notice how uncomfortable I got with allowing that. Like there's this subconscious background narrative saying, "Mm, but it's not really like you're supposed to get that on your own. Like why? And then I could hear this other person, isn't that what you think? said you wanted though right. to allow yourself to be helped and supported and I could it was almost like a cringiness in my body around that and I was like whoa like that's wild I did not know I was this uncomfortable with receiving
2: yeah that's and that's exactly the cr- the cringy crunch you said it perfectly that's the feeling right? That's the non-consensual of like, oh, think of like somebody touching you in a way you don't want them to. You're like, oh, your shoulders go up and you're, you know, you like your armpits come in and you get tight. It's that nervous system response to something unconsensual happening. And it's so fascinating, right? And so this is why for me, whenever I'm working with someone around money, it's so important to do the deeper sort of underwork first, because what ends up happening And this is a whole other thing that I won't go into, but I have a podcast on it. Um, But it's fundamentally like a worthiness issue, right? And so if you've spent your whole life believing that like part of what makes you amazing and part of, you know, your role and how it should be for everyone, right, is like to do it yourself and to, and there's so much to be so proud of and there's so much you know like so much accomplishment in that and i think we could probably host three or four or five podcasts just like celebrating all that you've done and all you've been able to create but my coach said it really beautifully because i similarly am like tend to be hyper independent and she said to me once she goes you know if your dreams are something that you can achieve by yourself then you're not dreaming big enough mm. And that, like, stopped me dead in my tracks, and I was like, whoa, like, I'm going to have to build in support into my life, and I'm going to have to depend and work with other people, and I'm going to have to allow myself to receive. Receiving requires trust. That's a whole other, because there's so much that can come, too, with those, you know, family, financial contracts, things. It's like, well, now what's expected of me, and does this person have power over me, and do I really trust them to have that? And so... Um, there's a whole other level of conversation that begins to happen in the subconscious, whereas it can feel very safe to just know, like, I got me, my finances, all that stuff. and yet probably for pretty much everyone. right? and i was I was reading somewhere recently that I think the average person, quote unquote average in quotes receives something like twenty to thirty thousand dollars as a gift for their first home or like a loan from from family. So it's super normal, but if you weren't grown up, expecting that or receiving that kind of financial support in your family structure system, it can feel very foreign and scary to navigate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. It's like, well, the universe is giving you this, you know, and there's another part of me that's like, no, I'm not going to invest in real estate. I'm going to run away to Colorado <laughs> <laughs> ah. <laughs> and just wonder one, roam roam the mountains or the oceans. Like, no, you know, yeah. it's like, well, okay. I mean, you know, it's this, The universe is like, here, giving something for you to build with. Are you going to take it? Or are you going to once again get into the subconscious narrative, which I didn't realize I had it so strongly of, no, I do everything on my own.
2: Yeah. Well, and here's what's interesting, right? And worthiness can be such a loaded word, right? When I start talking and people are like, well, I don't have a worthiness issue and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm not talking about your self-esteem. I'm not talking about thinking that, you know, you're like worthy and loved and all that stuff. It's work that never ends. It's work that constantly gets to expand and expound upon itself because it's like today I'm working on you know feeling worthy of a six figure business. Next year, in the next couple of years, I might be worthy. Uh, I'd be working on the worthiness of having a seven figure business, right? It's always somewhere right? It's not this black or white on or off, either you're worthy or unworthy. It's just wherever it resides and wherever we feel comfortable. It's, I call it like the worthiness thermostat. Like it's always kind of calibrated to like a certain temperature. And when we start to get above that, we start to get uncomfortable unless we start doing the work. And so for so many people, like some of the ways that I see that is, is that we don't actually experience any of that unworthiness until we are in the presence of the thing that we feel unworthy of that's when it starts to come up, right? Like I didn't wake up this morning feeling totally unworthy of going on a date with Brad Pitt, but I can assure you that if his assistant called and was like, Brad Pitt would like to see you for dinner at 7 p.m. tonight, I'd be like, oh my God, what am I gonna wear? And like, I'm not nearly as interesting as Angelina Jolie, like what's he gonna think? And blah, 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 I'd go to anxiety around having the thing that I want, all this discomfort about receiving something I've probably dreamed about every day of my life, right? <laughs> so, so, I was born. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny how the things we want, receiving them can actually cause us pain if we don't feel worthy of them.
0: Because then it's dissonic, and our intellect likes to wrap itself around who it believes that we are.
2: Can we talk about the word dissonic? Please. Break it down. Break it down.
0: So ego dysonic is anything that is incongruent with your value system or who you believe that you are. And your ego will work really hard to try to prove or repel or fight against anything that does not align with that. It's at the root of a lot of OCD, for example. Really? Yeah. So, like, for a lot, for example, like a common OCD content could be like harm. Like, I keep having this intrusive thought that I'm gonna, like, you know, hit somebody that I love with a bat that just hangs out in my kitchen, and it just like intrudes me, you know. And it's usually people that that struggle with that kind of content. It's because they really, really, really value keeping the ones that they care about safe. So it's ego dystonic, and so that as soon as that comes in intrusively, it the 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 intellect and the ego like hooks into it. It's like, whoa that's not supposed to be there. How do we get rid of it? And then that's when the compulsions come. And then that's when the compulsive, like reassurance seeking or, or hiding the bat, you know, just doing whatever you can to get away from it.
2: Right. They're not able to sort of, you know, I also, one of the personality theories I work with is sort of like this, um, like we're all everything, right. i like, it's not coming to my mind, but it's like, I have every aspect and every quality in me that exists. And so do you. And so like, part of the work that I do with my coach is like, yeah, I am selfish. Let me own that. Yes, mm-hmm. I am like a little greedy. Let me own that. Yeah, I'm vain. I'm very vain. Let me own that. And so it's just like working at just like owning all of those pieces. And it sounds like in the minds of the people that you're talking about, it's like, there's not, it's so egodysonic and that's such a terrifying thought
1: mm-hmm. of like, getting that piece into themselves.
0: No room for shadow. Exactly. Oh shit, no. y'all,
2: my
1: mind is blowing. What's happening over there for <laughs> So much. Oh my God, this is so wild. What comes up for me is I, I always see, you're just, you know, in memes and whatever, you're just afraid of success. You're not getting what you want because you're afraid of success. And I never truly understood that. Mm. But the way that everything that you guys are saying, is okay so well when that success comes do you actually believe that you're worthy of it are you actually going to resonate on the level of the success that you want Mm -hmm. that's what's just like blowing my mind
0: right now that right or is it gonna or is that or have you associated that success with something that is egotasonic so it's like i my ego my identity is wrapped around this idea that i achieve everything on my own but you're not gonna get very far if you're trying to achieve everything on your own, you're probably, you're not even gonna have access to the right amount of resources. So if I have to do everything on my own, I'm I'm limiting the capacity, right? So as soon as that comes in, support from the universe or from other people, it's like, ooh, no, but I do everything on my own, you know, until you become aware of it. It's like, whew, okay, so now I have to invite myself to become somebody who doesn't do everything on their own, you know, and so then it's evolution of identity has to take place essentially in order for this stuff to actually manifest.
2: Totally. And that's why I think like doing identity evolution work, like it has to take, like, I'm always working at the level of identity in people because our whole lives flow from our identity, from who we say we are and who the story we have told ourselves about who we think we are. And, you know, to your point, Valentina, it's So interesting, the place that I, you know, when I do this long fleshed out explanation of the, you know, unworthiness and the da-da-da, all that stuff, um, I talk about being on the date with Brad Pitt. And I talk about, it's this thing you've always wanted, and yet either you're probably so anxious that you can hardly breathe, right? And you're, like, trying to get into, like, you know, like, "Uh, oh, yeah, I'm really cool. Oh, my gosh, I uh, I love bubblegum, you know, and you're just, like, trying to, like get him to like you, or you're so nervous that he's going to reject you that you're totally clammed up and you're totally like unexpressed. And either way you're in a pain state and your like very primal brain does not want to be in the pain state. So it's going to be like, it's going to self-sabotage either consciously or unconsciously. It's going to be like, how do we get her off the date? Okay. Like, let's make her want to throw up. And then you're going to get so nauseous that you're going to throw up and you're going to have to leave. And so that's what I see happening with people who haven't done the worthy, who haven't build the foundation of the worthiness first is they get into it and then they start to experience the unworthiness. And then it becomes, the pain becomes intolerable. And so their systems start to shut down so that they can go back to the previous state that was comfortable or like procrastination, um, lack of inspiration, writer's block, all of those things I believe kind of have this same root of like, well, we already know how you're gonna feel when you get up there. So we're just gonna keep you down here for a little bit like, cause it's gonna be too uncomfortable.
0: Cause it's, it's not going to be who you think that you currently are. So, wow. so like this whole, is so fascinating to, to come at it from this angle, this conversation of worthiness and, and, um, tapping into greater abundance in our lives requires, um, new levels of personality flexibility, you know, so it requires getting to that point where, you know, you, what you're talking about integrating the shadows or being like, yeah, you know, that, now i see like the connection with young with carl young um because i love it i think there's an interview on youtube that i saw at one point that was like you know until you can not in these exact words but something along the lines of until you can accept and embrace the menace inside of you you can't really do that for a client either um and so people that are so scared of their shadow work really really hard to just like only allow one side of themselves to show up and then that causes a rigid personality structure And now that we're getting into looking at the expansion of worthiness, requiring a flexible personality structure, that's, it's fascinating. So it requires like all these levels of work
2: to arrive at that. Inner work to create that external, you know, and so, you know, I talk in the language sometimes I think of you know, the language that I use around this is just sort of like there's many languages. Some people will say manifestation, other people, you know, I'll have to use different language that's like a little less woo woo or any of that stuff. But really, it's just like you have to do the internal work in order to create the external reality. And so the place where what you're talking about and what I'm talking about meet is you know you with the rigid personality structure and me with the worthiness conversation is if we go step back from the worthiness conversation it's shame right the only thing that ever creates a feeling of unworthiness is shame and shame only ever comes from one thought which is that there's something wrong with me or i should be another way right So linguistically, the word should is the building block of shame. Without the word should, shame actually can't exist. There's no possibility for me to should be anything other than I am. So shame becomes impossible. So if we look at should as the linguistic building block of shame and shame as the building block of unworthiness, it goes into what you're talking about, the shadow work and the shame work of like, what am I ashamed of? Like, let's work through it. Like, because when you heal your shame, You suddenly no longer have anything, any part of you to hide from. And there's no impetus to feel unworthy of anything if you're able to love all of it.
0: Why is this not like a two hour long podcast?
1: We literally have to hang this up in a few minutes. Oh my God. Can you be my coach? I love you. I really do. This is I am available for hire. (laughs) Thank you so much for opening all of this beautiful knowledge and all of these messages for us and our community. And I have never looked at worthiness as a day by day thing, Mm. but that makes so much sense. It makes so much sense to heal the anxieties and the obstacles that me, I personally face day by day. If something hits me, it's like, why is it hitting me? Do I, do I, where's my worth standing at that moment? Am I trying to hide from something, something that I really want? This is beautiful. Mm, And I, I, I'm going to guess your zodiac sign. Like I said, we would, I know we only have a few minutes and you have to jump off, but Paula, is there, were you about to say
0: something or was there any like last words?
2: I was about to listen intently. To your Ooh,
0: okay. Before we we could easily forget this in the excitement. We ask this of every podcast guest okay. that comes on, and it is, "What is mental health to you at this point in your life?"
2: To me, to me, at this point in my life,
0: the
1: definition of mental health.
2: Why it's it on me? Okay, I think for me, the way that I think about mental health in my own life is it's interesting this is going to be like a minute or two of explaining but so in the 1950s it was not commonplace for people to go to the gym and to work on their physical health that was a very strange thing a very niche weird thing that like a couple of weird people did was like go to the gym and and work on their physical health and I think now we're in an age where it's quite commonplace and normal to think everybody should be getting 30 minutes of exercise every day and keeping their body healthy, but nobody thinks about their mental health, and nobody th- of, in that way, and nobody thinks of their mental health in terms of like a daily hygiene practice. And the way that I, the way that I think of mental health right now is I think of it in terms of possibility. Because I think that as the human race begins to work as diligently on our mental health, not just when something's going wrong, right? There's a lot of, a lot of the industries focused on like when someone's actually sick or in pathology. And I think my viewpoint and where I work with people is like, yeah, your life is great. How can it be just obnoxiously good? How can it be ridiculously amazing? The same way that people go to CrossFit to get, like, ripped abs and, you know, lift, you know, 500-pound tires and stuff. Like, that's what I feel like I'm doing with people's mental health is taking them through the sequence of, like, going from good to, like, fucking unreal and amazing and giving them, like, these, like, ripped awesome brains. And so I just think of, like, what mental health means to me right now is possibility because I think the possibilities become endless when we all start – having these conversations and looking into how do we create healthy minds, healthy communities, healthy societies. It's like just the beginning of what's possible for all of us as a species.
0: Oh, amazing, love that so deeply. That's amazing. And for our last
1: 60 seconds, I'm gonna guess your zodiac sign. Okay, I have two guesses that have been coming up for me. Ooh, okay. I don't okay. know which one to say first. Okay, you give me Gemini. Yes, or- you got it, you got oh, it. Oh, I am a,
2: I'm a double Gemini.
0: He's double, a double Gemini. You know what else I
1: wanted end. to say? Okay. <laughs> I want the second one that I was going to guess was Aries energy. You give uh, me that playful.
2: Yeah, a I could t- I probably have some areas in my chart. I'm not super big into astrology, but okay. I love people who are and I'm a double energy or I'm a double I'm a double
1: Gemini.
0: Gemini Gemini G- is actually known for being super Play, playful. Playful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gemini sun,
1: Gemini moon. Is that mm-hmm. what you are? Yeah,
0: Which are I think rising? It's Gemini rising.
1: I just,
2: right. Sagittarius.
1: <gasps> Sagittarius was the other one that was floating in my mind.
2: Oh, yeah. So there's Hell there's yeah. four of us up here.
0: to begin with at least four yeah oh my
1: god so where can everyone find you you said i think you said you had a podcast too yes i'm gonna binge that
2: yes 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 and pretty soon it'll be bingeable at the moment there's just one episode but uh i've got all of the stuff processing with my editor right now so there should be 10 episodes up in a minute or two so that is the subconscious coaching podcast where I am interviewing all kinds of fascinating human beings and really getting into the deep little details of the inner workings of the mind. The other place that you can find me is on Instagram. That is where I have a lot of fun. I do whatever the fuck I want. People are constantly laughing and, Sharing my stuff is going viral because it's so ridiculous. So if you want to see a lot of wild, wacky outfits, a lot of, you know, whatever work I'm working on today, as well as, like, updates on my hilarious grandmother and whatever else is going on in my life, then check me out on Instagram. It's at the subconscious brand, and you'll know it's me because... You'll know it's me.
1: <laughs> you'll know. <laughs> you'll, you'll know
2: you've arrived. They feel th-
1: you through the through their headphones. Yeah, they, they feel exactly. you they'll know just who you are. And mm-hmm. is there a website or anything anywhere else?
2: There, you know what? It's all linked through my Instagram. So Perfect. that's and that's really where the party is. Like, and it's a party. So come join me. It'll be so fun. Tell me that you I love it when people reach out via DMs, they're like, I heard you through the podcast, this podcast, da da. da, da. Um, I love meeting the people who find me, and it just feels always super divine. So head on over. Let's connect, and uh, let's boogie.
1: We love you. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. You gave me so much light and so much happy, happy spirits. Our portal proved correct. I feel yeah. the joy. Altina's
0: yeah. well, going go to go run another 5K right now. <laughs> I really do. Oh, my
2: gosh. Go run another 5K, and just, you know, your psychic skills are on point. So <laughs> another little check for you.
1: Hell yeah.
2: Awesome. You have the most beautiful day and I can't wait to do it again.
1: Hell
0: yeah.
1: (laughs) Bye. 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 All right, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love you with all of our whole souls, our hearts, from the top of our head to the tips of our toes. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Every (laughs)
1: cell in our bodies. Every nucleus and every cell in my... (laughs) Our body. Los queremos mucho. Tune in every Monday at six AM EST. I just said that in EST in Spanish. You threw me off with the Los Queremos. Sometimes my my brain wires really do get crossed and I start pulling out like alien accents. <laughs> it's wild.
0: Does that happen to you? It's the, the bilingual uh struggle every now and then. Every oh, now and God. then there's a word that comes out super awkward
1: for real okay tune in every monday at 6 a.m est los queremos mucho and be kind to yourselves
0: be kind to yourselves bye